Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. By no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, quarantine, beautiful Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising, happy to be back. I had the week off last week, if you didn't know. Many of you who listen to this podcast may not get the primetime show, may not follow me on social media, but I came down last Sunday, a week ago from this past Sunday, with a positive COVID-19 test. I'm through the worst of it. We had some legitimate symptoms, uh, fever, headaches, cold sweats, body aches, all of these things, exhaustion on a regular basis from about Monday to Thursday And so we thought it best to kind of just lighten my workload a little bit and take last week from the pod off. But that allows me the opportunity to come back better than ever for the 100th episode of the 615 Sessions podcast. And we are tickled to death to be able to provide that to you. 100 shows is a milestone that I've never reached in any form or fashion from any platform that has allowed me to gas bag. So this is particularly special for me to have you here with me and to be able to discuss all of these things. So the show that we have prepared for you, because there's a lot of things going on in Nashville sports, in Nashville sports media, we will start first with training camp discussion. Teron Davenport of ESPN, Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio, they will bat leadoff here on the 615 Sessions. Then we'll go from football to, well, from pro football to college football and the Nashville Predators. We have Adam Vengen of The Athletic, who wrote an absolutely excoriating piece on the end of the Nashville Predators 2019-2020 campaign up there in Edmonton. We broke that down at length. College football is falling apart all around us, and so Braden Gall of Sirius XM, ESPNU Radio, and Athlon Sports joins us to discuss that. Then we put a cherry on top of this bad boy with the one person that none of this is possible without. And there are many people that this 100th podcast episode is not possible without, but one in particular The woman uh, to whom I owe everything in my life, the woman who gave me life, my mother, the War Department, Karen Rising, joins us for a special edition, a 100th episode edition of Five Good Minutes at the end of the podcast. So we have all of that 
ahead for you today on the 615 Sessions. But just a little transparency on the front end, I'm not going to throw to the interviews right out of the gate as we normally do. I'm going to start off with a little bit of a monologue. And I don't know how people feel about monologues. I try to leave them for the end of the podcast because at that point, you're probably tired of hearing me talk and gas bag and all of these things. But there has been a lot going on over the course of the last 24 hours in the Nashville sports media market. I spent the duration of Monday's primetime show discussing it. But there has been some serious changes to the Nashville sports media landscape. 104.5 The Zone fired Mark Howard and Kevin Ingram yesterday of the Wake Up Zone. 16 years of service for the two of them. The start of the radio station over there at 104.5. By the way, full disclosure, I am not an employee of 104.5 The Zone, but I am a paid contributor. So this comes from a place of somewhat bias for the place that I do radio in uh, when my time allows for it, and it they have a new lineup over there at 104.5 The Zone. It's just an interesting dynamic, to be completely honest, and I want to, I want to say that this industry sucks <laughs> when it comes to the changing of the guard, and this is not uncommon in any workplace in America. It's why I rail so much against management as a concept or management, the support of management from people who are employees, the siding with management from people who are employees. And I myself am an employee. I work for Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham at A to Z Sports. I am an employee of A to Z Sports. Those guys have taken tremendous care of me as their first full-time employee over the past year that I've spent with them. But you look at what's happening here in Nashville, you're seeing an evolution of the media landscape in a way that we, it's moving really fast all around us, all of us, not just the radio stations, not just here on the internet where I primarily exist and where the A to Z Sports Digital Network primarily exists, not just on local television, national television, all of these things. Sports media is changing rapidly. Inefficiencies are being exposed left and right across the American economy. It's starting here without question in the sports broadcasting industry. And what Mark and Kevin did for 16 years, today I believe, if I heard correctly, is the 17th birthday of 104.5 The Zone. Happy birthday to them with their new lineup change. You see our friends at Midday 180. By the way, all of these people, regular contributors to this podcast. And so I feel comfortable discussing these kind of things because these are all voices that you're familiar with. Whether you came from 104.5 The Zone and found this podcast as a result of my appearances on The Zone, whether you were exposed to people from 104.5 The Zone because you came to this podcast and they are regular guest co-hosts between the guys from Midday 180, 3HL. I don't think we ever had one of the guys from the Wake Up Zone villain, but that's, you know, that's not a product of anything but the fact that I never really met Mark or Kevin and have still not met Blaine Bishop, and that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Larger point being, Things are changing in the Nashville sports media market, but I can promise you this, that as long as this podcast exists, as long as, as, long as the 615 Sessions continues in this medium, as long as the A to Z Sports Primetime Show continues in this medium, I'm going to continue to do the same thing that I do every damn day for you guys, and that is try to provide you with some of the best conversations 
here in local sports. This is not to make it about me. This is not to make it about A to Z sports. This is not to make it about anything other than to say that while corporations, I will speak largely, while corporations may not necessarily care about you as the audience, I'm going to speak for Mark and Kevin in this regard. We as the people who get the opportunity to hang out with you guys as an audience on a regular basis, you guys mean the world to us. You're the only reason that we're here. Your support allows us to exist no matter what the platform is. And so I hate it for my friends over there on the Wake Up Zone. I only I went on there with them once. I actually hosted an hour with Mark Howard. This is the first time I met Mark Howard through a Zoom, uh, through five minutes late to the Wake Up Zone's final hour that I was supposed to host with Mark Howard. And we had a great time. It's the only time that I've worked with Mark. It's the only time that I've really talked to Mark. Uh, when we were dropped into that setting together to do live radio, and I thought it was a blast. So I hate it for them. I hate that this industry can be so cold, as so many industries are. It's just a reminder that for as long as we're here, this is going to continue to be the case with the high-quality content that A to Z Sports allows us to provide. So I've rambled long enough. It's been too self-involved out of the gate. But hey, it's the 100th podcast, so I figure I'd give myself a little extra time. Let us start things off with Teron Davenport and Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, the Megapod, the 100th 615 Sessions that we have done. So we bring before you a cast of friends and favorites. We start off with Red Bryan of Titans Radio and Teron Davenport, the OGTD, here on the 615 Sessions. Of course, you can find Teron on ESPN.com, the Talking With TD podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. Rep Bryan, all the great work. Happy to be back at work for Rep Bryan and Titans Radio a contributor to the OTP, and, of course, regularly with our friends on 104.5 The Zone. Boys, it's good to see you back. Oh, by the way, show and tell with Rhett Bryan coming later in the show. Let me not bury the lead off the top. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, too. Glad to be a part of uh, the century mark for this podcast. These whiskers right here will show that I'm heading towards the century myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do have something special show and tell for this 100th edition. We are going to talk about all things Titans. We have talked with four players already today on Zoom. You will hear this podcast before you hear from Mike Vrabel on the Tuesday media availability. But we're going to talk about training camp now that things are actually in session. Players are on the field. Vic Beasley is here. Even still, he has to clear the protocol, but at least. They have found Vic Beasley to uh, to then put him in the beginning of the testing protocol. Three negative tests over the course of four days before Vic Beasley can join the team. We spoke today to Adoree Jackson, Jeff Simmons, A.J. Brown, and Ben Jones, the, uh, the, the, the diamond in the rough of the three of the other guys. Ben Jones, Titan center. We have a lot to discuss. Let's start, though, with, I think, the most important thing, most important position consideration that has to be given outside of right tackle, and that's what's going on with the defensive backs. Teron, I asked you guys before we started the pod, 
whether what we needed to hit on specifically and something that stands out in a big way to UTD is how they will address the nickel situation. You see Logan Ryan moving to safety uh, for free agent visits, prospective free agents, citing his own stat line and having his e- agent email uh, that stat line alongside other safeties in the league. The nickel corner, though, for the Titans, the void that he leaves, and Adoree Jackson speaking on that today, still not willing to give us much in the way of insight as to how much time he'll spend there. Yeah, he spoke a little bit about what's different as far as having to play in space and know the, the corner as well as some of the linebacker uh, responsibilities. But I think we should hit on that because as opposed to just having one guy that you just tried out there to be their nickel, they now have an assortment of guys. And I think when you look at different teams, whether, you know, you look at the going against the Colts, we know they'll face twice. They like to move T.Y. Hilton around. And there have been times before where Dory Jackson traveled with them. But, you know, with this nickel situation, they put T.Y. Hilton in the slot. Now you could, adequately have a guy in that nickel position, in that slot, that can run down the field with. But then you, you turn around and you look at, okay, let's say they, they decide to put Michael Pittman Jr. in the slot. Well, no problem. That's when you go to a guy like a Jonathan Joseph or a Malcolm Butler to go against a bigger power slot, what I call it. But, okay, let's expand it a little bit further. They like to use Jack Doyle in an assortment of ways. Okay, so Jack Doyle flexes and he's in the slot, no problem. You could obviously drop Kevin Byard down. Me personally, I always think that it's best. Like if I was calling the defense, I would always have him be uh, center field, you know, and just keep everything in front of him. But that being said, you could drop Kenny Vaccaro down. But if you want to go nickel, now you have Imani Hooker, the guy who made his living going against, you know, Noah Fant, going against George Kittle, going against TJ Hawkinson in college at, at Iowa. So matching up against whatever teams have to put out there in that slot position, I think that's something that the Titans now have a strength on. And I'm not saying that they've upgraded because let's make no mistake about it, Logan Ryan was very, very good in that slot. There were some issues, right? Well, we won't sugarcoat it. You know, there were issues, speed guys, et cetera. But I think now you're able to match up to whatever a team brings. What you said it well, Teron, and I, I I agree with you. That's the one of the reasons why they drafted an Amani Hooker is because of his versatility in doing things just like this. And you're right when you think about some of the places. Even though uh, Logan Ryan had a great stat line year, there were some plays that were given up. I think about yeah. that Nicole Hardman 60 yard play against the Chiefs in the regular season at Nissan Stadium in Week 11 or whatever that was. Um, just one that comes to mind. But, yeah, that's one of the reasons why they put him in there. And, you know, he had a lot of work last year as a rookie, not that- just on teams, but in that, you know, that three three safety package, the big big safety look. So, yeah, yeah I think that's – I think you're on to something there. I think that's a, a, a – I would agree with that 100% that that is a place that they can look in certain formations. Let me ask you this, Rhett. Would you rather have week one in Denver, September the 14th, at this point? We'll see how – Everything plays out. College football making things much more uncertain in our world than ever before. Uh, would you rather, though, when the Titans go nickel, start Jonathan Joseph in that three-corner look or Christian Fulton with Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, assuming that those will be the other two 
that you have out there? Or does it does it depend on what look the offense is giving you? Are you comfortable? What what would be your preference knowing what we do right now very early on in August the 10th? Well, you know, we, we and this is no disrespect to Jonathan Joseph because he's an aging guy. Uh, I don't know what he has left tread on the tires wise. Uh, but we mentioned, you just mentioned, uh, Teron mentioned, you know, uh, Noah, Noah Fant, who's up there uh, in, in that system with all these other weapons. And they went offense heavy in the draft yeah. because everyone's trying to catch up with the Kansas City Chiefs in that division. So you've got some weapons to contend against. Um, I'd almost prefer that you have a vet there. But if you – I guess it depends on what they see in the practice field with a Christian Fulton. And this where this is where not having a preseason makes that the $64,000 question at all this. Now, however, if we're talking about this in a Denver scenario, don't forget, Juwan James opted out as the right tackle. And if I am Drew Locke, I am not happy about that. I mean, I'm, you know, you don't wish him any ill will, but I'm saying that that becomes problematic uh, on that offensive line for the Denver Broncos. So, there's other there's other problems in this that could actually free up some things on the back end for this secondary. Yeah, and that's the thing, Teron, that we we won't know what how what kind of looks Fulton is getting through this. Whether you want to call them OTAs, whether they look like OTAs, there will be no contact at this point for the first couple of weeks. They have about eleven training camp practices that we will be able to attend over the course of this whole thing and at what point he actually gets to see some action against A.J. Brown or Khalif Raymond or Rashard Davis, like against any of these dudes, Mm. we just don't know. So to give you the same question, would you opt for experience in a situation like that over what we believe to be high-level talent in Christian Fulton? Or or are you you saying – to, to roll the dice and give the rookie a shot in a week one game in a big spot on national television? I would be more inclined to go with the veteran. And I, I think Jonathan Joseph could still play some corner. I, I think he could still be solid for you. And for me, it just goes back to not having those preseason games because that game action just – you could simulate live action as much as you want in practice, which is something Coach Rabel said that he's going to do. But you just can't emulate the actual game speed that you experience. Now, you look at what the Broncos have. You're talking about Cortland Sutton. They got Judy, right? And, and, and they got K.J. Hamler. So we're talking about some outstanding players. A couple of them will also be rookies. But I personally would more more inclined to, to roll out Jonathan Joseph. I wouldn't put Fulton out there so quickly and risk even though he's played so much football and he is an advanced corner, I still remain convinced he's a top five corner, maybe even top three in, in, in this past draft. I remain convinced of that, but I just don't I, – I wouldn't roll him out there early and risk just having that confidence, you know, shaking, and then having that be something he has to overcome. I would rather have that hungry guy that, that, that wants to get out there, but then at the same time, you got to balance that with not jumping routes and being too aggressive. But I still would – I want the hungry player and allow him to work towards getting that time on the field. That might be the only position on defense where I feel that way. Like if you break a corner's confidence early and he's forced to live with that, like in most cases it's easier for the defense to get up to speed 
than it is for an offense. We know we know this over the course of just wow, yeah. see ball, get ball for linebackers, defensive line. You can understand how to rush the passer. Even if you're not refined as a pass rusher, it's easier for defensive players, for the most part, to get out on the field early. But a corner, it's so much more difficult because already in this league that's legislated to have the, the, th- the rules benefit all things offense, all things point scoring. So you're fighting the officials. You're fighting potentially veteran players, understanding that the Broncos have a rookie wide receiver. But you, are, you will be in a hugely vulnerable position if that's the lineup that they choose to trot out. It's, people looked at the Jonathan Joseph sign, and it, it, was, it, was the easy, it was the laziest comparison, or not comparison, the laziest line to draw between Jonathan Joseph and Clowney Watch, the thing that people continue to harp on over and over again because they are very close friends from their times with the Texans. And if you want to do that, fine. But in the reality, what Jonathan Joseph represents is a, is a safety net for you at corner in a way that you could not get with, oh, I'm blind, Tremaine Brock. I, it, it, the play was so forgettable, I almost forgot his name. In a way that Tremaine Brock really couldn't help you with the way that you needed to down the stretch run. And that happens to everybody over the course of the season. But corner, a particularly difficult position to play. Let's stay on the defense, though, as we're talking about the Titans and this training camp situation that they find themselves in. Jeffrey Simmons talked to us today uh, as we're taping this podcast, uh, Monday as you're hearing this podcast. Jeffrey Simmons was talking about the slights that people are levying against this Titans defensive line. Have you guys heard people trashing the Titans D-line? Because I think he's doing some Michael Jordan stuff with that and making it up, trying to get motivation. (laughs) I've heard some. I've heard some because I've seen a lot of, now that Jarrell Casey is gone, what do they have left? And I I say, well, you have a guy that wears number 90 left that is quietly one of the best interior guys in the league as far as, you know, just all around and being that traffic cop up front. So I think Simmons is just a great compliment. But I like the fact that he's finding a way to channel more of that fire, you know, to come out. I think that's good at a young age, you know, second year in the league being able to do that. I think Teron's right in the national 30,000-foot view that a lot of reporters, when they do a blurb, a few lines about the Titans. It's like, well, Jarrell yeah. Casey's in Denver now, so what's you know they're going to have to pick up the pieces. No, Name no, names, not. say CBS Sports, <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, I can't. Well, the thing, well, going back to looking like a hundred, uh, I can't remember who said it, but I know that I've read those things. But I'll say, I'll tell you something that that I came away a couple of things with Jeffrey Simmons today and his availability. You notice how much more confident he is. You notice how. Yes. I mean, he just – he it was the best uh, time with him in front of that – in a forum like that than any of his stuff his rookie year. And he was very accommodating, very nice, you know. Right. But you could tell he was finding his way through the league as a rookie and also getting back from that knee. Uh, and I'll tell you this, guys. I've been here for a long time. I've covered this team since they put on that two-tone blue for the first time. And I'll tell you this. I have not been this excited about a very large defensive lineman since those two years that Albert Hainsworth had that was his end of his rookie year and the year they franchise tagged him where he absolutely played his ass off and was a just a disruptor. And then, you know, to go with a Kyle Vandenbosch, I mean, it was – the things I saw him do in that two-year window, it, it is astounding. It's, it's like uh, – 
what you see Calais Campbell doing in a big, uh, nimble guy fashion. Just like, how does that guy do that? It's like he's like a fucking basketball player. This is what I'm so excited to see Jeffrey Simmons in year two. I don't think there's going to be anything uh, to do with a sophomore slump, anything like that. You can see the way he has already reformed and shaped his body. He's confident about the knee. You can hear that in his voice today. Hey, AFC South, look out. See, the thing, I, I do it every year. I caution myself against doing it every year, but I've done it again with Jeffrey Simmons because, one, you're right, he's much more comfortable in a press conference setting with us. It reminds me of how Harold, how much different Harold Landry was from year one to year two. Similarly to when he got up uh, before last year's training camp at the podium and he's all rocked up and Harold Landry big and bad, and he knows he's big and bad, and he's up there talking to us like he's pass rusher number one. I get the same vibe from Jeffrey Simmons. So my, my first rule, don't buy off on the press conference. Second, don't buy off on the Instagram, uh, the Instagram excitement because all of these guys, I mean, it's so, it's so, it's such an easy trap to fall into. And this is not applicable to people who are built like superheroes like Jeffrey Simmons. I have, I have body worshiped at the, uh, at the throne of Jeffrey Simmons multiple <laughs> times on this podcast, but the things that I've cautioned myself every other year, I'm buying into with Jeffrey Simmons. The thing that sets it over the top for me, though, is just what you mentioned there, Rhett, disruption. The way that they talk about Clowney, they need Clowney or people outside of the Titans or or outside of people who normally cover the Titans. They talk about needing this disruptor across that defensive front. Well, that's what Jeffrey Simmons is. Jeffrey Simmons' role is to be a disruptor. He mentioned in maybe not this most recent availability, but I think previously talking to us about pass rush and talking to us about, you know, understanding where his where his sweet spot is, not trying to not trying to overdo things, not trying to become a full-on pass rusher in the way that people think this team needs to find, but just figuring out how best to disrupt the quarterback in a way that Jeffrey Simmons is physically God-given able to do. I think this, coupled with the idea that they really don't need that many down defensive linemen in this scheme, I think that helps them ease the burden of some of the depth questions that they're facing. Because really, if you're only playing with two down defensive linemen at any given point, if that's your scheme, if your scheme is matchup-based, if your scheme is multiple drink if you've heard that before not you Teron I know you don't partake but uh (laughs) if all of those things are so then why shouldn't we be drinking the Jeff Simmons Kool-Aid because the film is out there and that was you know that was 10 pounds ago and on a bad knee now let me say this though and I know what you're saying don't fall in love don't get a guy crush whatever I I do it every year I do I do my phone but but, the office just buck there's a reason why Jarrell Casey is wearing that orange crush defense there's a reason he's in Denver. There's a reason they moved on from him a year early, 98, the guy they drafted, Jeffrey Simmons. I'm not saying you can just replace Jarrell Casey, and I'm no, no disrespect to him at all. I have the most respect for him as what he did in this for this franchise in some of its darkest days when they were, weren't winning diddly squat. And I wish him nothing but the best. But there's a reason why they moved on. And I think when you look at Jeffrey Simmons – Along with that body change, and he talked about it, he has a better range of movement, change of direction. And that's something that he feels natural with. The man is not going to be playing with the brace. So, you know, you're going to see him be able to do more things. And then he also talked a little bit the last time we had him on, on a, a virtual conference. He, he talked about losing that weight, 
and working on not just the power, but having other things that go along with that. So I think he can be that disruptor. But for those who are mentioning Clowney and, and the need for him, I, I could definitely see that because there, there are a few things you could never have too many of. And one of them is pass rushers. I mean, I, I saw a team in 2017, the Eagles, you know, they had – they went at least six deep at, at defensive end. And then one of their DNs rotated inside, Brandon Graham, you know, and played some D tackles. So you can never have too many pass rushers. And I think if they were to add Clowney, it would be a good thing. But if they don't, you still have someone in, in Jeffrey Simmons that could bump up and down the, the line of scrimmage, that could collapse that pocket from the interior. So guys like Harold Landry and Vic Beasley, Kamale Correa, and Derek Roberson, a guy you, you know that, that I'm very high on, uh, these guys could get to the quarterback. Roberson's fascinating to me because yeah. he, he clearly has the ability to get to the quarterback. We saw his effectiveness late in the season when they were starting to implement him. He was a guy who went undrafted, but I know, Teron, you were high on him coming out of SMU throughout the draft process because he does have that physical ability. He's got some things that he needs to shore up so that he just doesn't that he doesn't just become potentially a more talented Sharif Finch where you think this guy's got something as an undrafted and then ultimately he fades from the lineup in a year where you could have used pass rushers. Um, I I'm curious to see how much run he gets or whether at this point in his career he is still just a situational pass rusher. I think right now he's a situational guy, and Shane Vaughn kind of touched on that. He said in order to get more snaps, he needs to be better on first and second down. But, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with being a situational guy. I saw that the 49ers use a dude by the name of Alden Smith in situations, and he was one of the best pass rushers and most productive guys, you know, when he had everything straight. I think the main thing for Roberson is just settling in, and that's what he had to do and, and, and get that comfort level. And once he did that, I mean, Taylor Lewan said it. You know, there was a point where he was really doing well with, with, that, with that show team. So I think if he could just carry that over into this year, that comfort level, I think he'll be in good shape. And I expect him to be in a rotation. The thing about Derek Roberson that people forget is he got derailed early on. He was a five-star yeah. recruit at yeah. the University of Texas. He had a bad car wreck. You know, next thing you know, he's at Sam Houston State. He's the all-time sack leader in the season for them last year, 16 and a half sacks, whatever it was. And, and so he is just now kind of getting his traction in this thing. Yeah. I look at him the way – he's situational. You're right. I look at him right now the way I looked at Kamala Correa when he came in off of trade from the, from the Ravens in terms of he was a second-round pick, but they had – using him, how to figure things out. And Connelly played really well down the stretch for the Titans and heading toward those playoff runs, uh, especially, you know, after you lost Cam Wake and, you know, Harold Landry's getting all these reps. I look at him like that right now. That's what I see there. Derek Robertson's situational. And look, in, in some games, situationally, he did a great job. There was a, there was, that was at the Saints game. I thought he was going to get a Saints game. Yeah, so he, he could very close to a hat trick on Drew Brees. Yeah, right. Very, very close. I uh, well, he'll have to combat the mighty New England Patriots with Cam Newton and now Lamar Miller. Ian Rappaport has just reported that he is expected to sign a one-year deal with the Pats coming off of ACL surgery. So that is an interesting addition to the AFC 
atmosphere. I don't know, I, before we move on, TD, because I want to make sure we save enough time. Um, Tehran has a church meeting to get to, and we want to make sure the TD oh, we have, we have time. We TD have is time. right with all the appropriate parties, <laughs> so we don't want to take, take too much of his time, and we want to leave some time for Red Show and Tell. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, though, if we're going to spend a little more time on Roberson, TD, scale of 1 to 10, rate the drip. Oh, his his drip is, is – I have to give him an eight or a nine. Not, not undrafted meter, in terms of swag. <laughs> when they took the meter and, and, and put it on his bracelet, the diamond meter, and he was like, Yo, stop playing with me. I was cracking up. But he got the wheels. He has the jewelry, the clothes. I think he's he's definitely – and I, I think he just bought a new house too. So, he's uh, – He's got the cars too. Field too. Looking and for he's somebody. And he's got the cars too. Say, yeah, he's got, the, he's got yeah. the whips. Looking yeah. for somebody to 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 uh, camo wrap the uh, the mozzie I saw on his yeah. Instagram. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I saw and that. And he's got that. a it, and he's got an '86 Monte Carlo Supersport too that he uh, <laughs> flat blacked out, matte black. I, yep. I seen he's that rolling up the practice man. a time oh, or yeah. two. Derek Roberson got it figured out off the field, if not yet on the field. But we will see what potential uh, he has yet to live up to. Let's, before we get to Rhett's show and tell, college football is in a world of, I don't even know what, just uh, turmoil. Based on the reports that we've seen with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 considering canceling their season, we thought that we had seen some light with the SEC. Everybody was back to normal. We had red meat. We were complaining about schedules. Should (laughs) Alabama have gotten off so easily? Should Georgia have gotten a harder schedule. Why does everybody in the SEC hate Tennessee? All of these things. And now we find ourselves on the precipice of potentially a canceled college football season. The MAC, the, uh, the, uh, the MAC getting out there first and saying that they will not play fall football in a way that could have a domino effect. You guys are two of the biggest draft Knicks I know. And this has massive implications, not just for the college football season, but on the evaluation process for the NFL. TD, if we don't have a college football season, how the hell do we go about drafting guys next year? (laughs) Well, you know, that 2019 tape becomes just that much more important. I think it starts with that. But then you got to hope that things start to – somewhat be normalized and they find a way to have the Shrine Week, find a way to have the the Senior Bowl, and find a way to have the Combine. I think that's really what it comes down to. But it, it's unfortunate because you have guys who come out of nowhere. And, next, I mean, look, it happened last year, right, with, with, with uh, Joe Burrow. I mean, at this time last year, he was a third or maybe fourth-round pick. The guy ended up blowing up and had a – was the first round pick so for those late bloomers it's going to be tough I think it really goes down to just finding those traits and and a lot of times you're going to have to go even further beyond the production that you see on the field you want to do that anyway but it, it just gets pushed up even more this year this draft evaluation process is going to show who the the top level draft nicks are who the top level actual personnel folks are this is going to be a key separating point for you to see because it's not as easy as it's been our other year. Teron is exactly right. The tape, the tape, the tape. That's what you – look, you can run all you want in underwear, 40-yard dashes, and 
you know, all that stuff. We all, I get caught up in the bench press and the vertical leap, but it's the tape. And, and since we've been recording this, the Mountain West uh, Conference has canceled its football season uh, due to COVID concerns per Brett McMurphy on Twitter. And that's happened just in the last couple of minutes. Man. Um, now, where it becomes problematic, Buck, is if college sports programs decide to try to play football in the spring because that throws a monkey wrench in everything with what Teron's been saying. How do you have the senior bowl? How do you have the combine? It would be one of the most important combines ever uh, based on if that 2019 tape is all you got to go off of. And then you just look at the CBA. The current CBA states it mandates that the NFL draft has to be held by June the 2nd. So, I mean, you'd have a lot of hurry it up, and you would have no pre-draft. I mean, if they play college football in the spring, you know, I don't know what you do with pre-draft. Visits, workouts, all that kind of stuff would be topsy-turvy, kind of like 2020's been. How about that? Oh, you do it on Zoom, just like we're doing now. We're talking about pre-draft visits. <laughs> The virtual the, combine. <laughs> I just, no, they, they cannot. I, well, here, here's how I feel about the combine uh, for entirely selfish reasons, because of course that's what it's all about. I hate that they are, they would be removing the combine from Indianapolis this year and taking it to Los Angeles. So if I can't have the combine in Indy at Kilroy's at one forty-five in the morning, when we all have to be at work <laughs> for availability the next day, I don't want it. I don't want it. Anywhere but Indianapolis. So if it has to be virtual instead of LA, maybe maybe I'm open to discussions on that. Buck, yeah. I'll tell you one other thing. I'm sorry to cut in there, Teron. One other thing I was going to tell you that NFL operations has come out with today is about the officials in the NFL game this year, and that they will be geographically assigned so that most of them can drive to the games in their area. Uh, and normally, you know, under the way things usually work, you wouldn't get a same officiating crew for your team more than twice a year, and usually about six weeks apart. All that's out the window, just like everything else is this year. They're saying that that's the way that they're going to approach this, and uh, they will be given personal protective equipment and electronic whistles and all of this, and, and I guess we're going to see how all that works out and who's assigned in what region. Oh, God, please bring back the replacement refs. I, I need that like I need air. <laughs> so bad the last time we went through that. TD, any, any final thoughts before we get to show and tell? No, I, I think, you know, we pretty much covered it all. I, I say this, got to watch that, that uh, you know, I, I think it really helped, especially in sub packages, like when they go dime. Uh, Dan Crookshank, he, he's, he's my guy to watch this year. I really like his game. Liked him at Arizona. You know, he played a lot of dime line, linebacker in addition to corner. So he's someone to watch, especially in their sub package. Big Dane Crookshake fan here too. Absolutely. It's a, he's got a very interesting skill set. And, you know, like all of these guys, hugely versatile and, and an ace special teams player in a way that you need him to be since David Flewellen, master of the special teams, will no longer be – on the roster, but now it is the thing. Go ahead. He's a thumper, dude. He's a thumper. That's what I like about him. He's a big boy. Physical as all day long. He's physical. That's a big boy. But now it is time for the thing that everybody is really here for. It is time for my man, Rhett Bryan, to show off what he has found within the depths of his house, his garage, his man cave, where we see behind him, if you view with us on YouTube, a Steve McNair, Eddie George banner, and a Grantland Rice Murfreesboro, Tennessee flyer. That is something I was not expecting. Yes, Rhett, what have you brought the people 
for All today's right. edition of Show and Tell. Three lovely photos and then a, and a recently acquired Titans rookie card that I want to show okay. off. First of all, first photo, week. this is taken the week of January 30th, 2000, Super Bowl 34, and there is Miss Anime Bullock Nutbush, Tennessee, a.k.a. Tina Turner. She was uh, the pregame entertainment for Super Bowl 34. And I was super excited to be able to be a part of that press conference. I love Tina Turner, always have. Roll one of the best the concerts. River. One of the best concerts I ever saw at Bridgestone Arena was her about seven, eight months later. Joe Cocker opened up for her. She played Ooh. for two and a half hours. It was fantastic. Rick got a little right. soul to him. What's next? Oh, I love Tina. All right. Uh, this is April 2006. Uh, and this is at uh, Radio City Music Hall, 20 minutes after the Tennessee Titans oh, with the third overall God. pick. <laughs> and I'm interviewing Vincent Paul Young Jr. from the <laughs> University of Texas. Outstanding. I, I don't know whose who's getup is more noteworthy, yours or <laughs> Young's. And this, this is, uh, I think, 2009, maybe 2010. He raised the flag that night as the 12th Titan, the nature boy, Rick Flair. Woo! That and is we, an uh, exceptional I picture. I interviewed him for Titans Countdown that night. I'll never, ever forget it. It's fantastic. One of my favorite nights in that stadium. And then recently, I just got this in the mail a couple days ago. This is a 2020 uh, playoff absolute football Darrington Evans autograph rookie number to 99. That is something that you had to have gotten right off the presses. I didn't even know we had the rookie cards out yet. Yeah, yeah. and it shows him in his college uniform, the, the ones with their pro uniforms from the rookie uh, pro, rookie uh, photo shoot are already coming out. But, uh, yeah, this is one of the first ones that came out right after the draft. And, uh, yeah, it's number 84 99. I'm, uh, I'm glad to put this one in the collection. I'm, I'm excited to see what this guy does with two-tone blue this year. Very much so. I think he's going to be an exceptional compliment to uh, Derrick Henry. What's up, TD? I got a couple of things. I, I got an idea. Oh, look at it. He will not be outdone. <laughs> I love it. Right here. Look at that guy right there. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Cheney University of Pennsylvania student ID yeah, young TD, get it just a little bit closer to the camp. You have some facial look hair. Look at that. you. Got the braids going. That's Check a bad that. man. And then this is another one. This was a bank card I found from 1998. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a bank card. First yeah. of all, it warms my heart that Tehran has participated in show and tell. That's and, then it. To, and then to see young vintage. Uh, to Ron, that's big time. You know that's why? Really cool. You know how it's vintage, TD. You got the Jalen Rose haircut there, like it's oh, painted yes. on in the second picture. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, look at that! That is that is a yep. that is a young stud, <laughs> without question. Show and tell. This is this is you know, Tehran is on the pod. Tehran must be included in the show and tell. Now the sure. burden is upon Tehran. The next time we get this particular uh, oh, meeting, man, lines to get. yeah, see, you, you blew the call, Teron, because now <laughs> I, I was just going to let that. you sit back and cruise. You couldn't have it easy, could you, big dog? All right. <laughs> they are Rhett Bryan of 104.5 The Zone, Titans Radio, the OTP, official Titans podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. Teron Davenport of ESPN.com, at TDavenport underscore NFL is where you follow him on the socials, the Talking with TD podcast. 
some of the best stuff if you are interested in the mechanics of football and you if you are interested in the best explanation best play breakdowns out there on the market you know that there's one place you can go and that is the talking with td podcast boys I appreciate the time as all. Listen, no, I appreciate you guys working for free on a regular basis. So you get get all the plugs out of me you want. I'm happy to do it. As long as you show up once or twice a month to hang out with me on the pod. I always enjoy it, boys. Thanks. Glad to do it. Yes, sir. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, post-COVID edition, or so they're uh, telling me by Wednesday, apparently, the first pod I have done since contracting the Rona. We have much to discuss across the sports world, and we're taping out of order. So we come now to our Preds and college football conversation, because two things happened of tremendous import over the course of the weekend, and certainly the last 24 hours talking about college football the Preds got bounced from Edmonton three to one in their series against the Arizona Coyotes we have Braden Gall looking incredibly uninterested and Adam Vingan of the athletic Braden Gall of course of Athlon Sports and Sirius XM ESPNU radio boys it's a pleasure to see you under digital circumstances I think we're going to name this podcast from Rona to Zona oh Oh, yes. oh, no, why are you smiling mm. after that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a dead... You don't, Adam, you don't have children. You don't have an excuse to make that joke. I have an excuse to make that joke. Oh. From Rona to Zona, baby. It's literally just <laughs> sitting on my lap like a dead podcast fish. I don't mm. know what to do with it, but at that point, yes, Adam... Guzzle beer out of it. That's here you for your fiery hot takes on the end of the Nashville Predators and also your terrible, terrible jokes. All right, Bengen, what the hell? Uh, Nashville Predators 2019-2020, what the hell? Yeah, that's a, that's a good tagline for this season, um, as appropriate as we can have. Um, on this podcast well perhaps it could be a bit more vulgar but you know me i don't go too far on the vulgarity um but yeah um look i I would agree with what the players said after the game on friday after they were eliminated in overtime of game four that they put forth a much more competitive effort against the arizona coyotes than they did against the dallas stars last year but I just think at this point, it's fallen on deaf ears with this fan base and myself personally. Um, We've heard enough of this, well, this group will just need another go at it. Everything will work out. I think we've heard that enough. Um, You know, I I wrote perhaps the most scathing column uh, I have ever written after, uh, after that game. Uh, in which you blowtorched him, Megan. You blowtorched him. I was very, very <laughs> proud. I read that. I read that column, by the way. Well worth your subscription, as long as, uh, as well as many other great journalists working at theathletic.com. I read that, and it literally—you guys can see that my eyebrows are lighter. Literally singed my eyebrows off. Well, oh, what did you do to your eyebrows? Uh, I got uh, pretty messed up on cough syrup over the course of uh, my COVID quarantine. My barber normally does my eyebrows, but I tried it myself and I took way too much off. Wow. Yeah, super tough scene. <laughs> wow. Good to know. Not to distract from your point, proceed. 
It's very Charlie the Villanueva of you. Very strange. <laughs> Such an obscure Was that alopecia? Reference. Is that what it's called? <laughs> no alopecia anyway. jokes. It's a serious disease. Okay, Maybe okay. Continue with your point. Anyway, Go I, wrote, I wrote in that story uh, that the predators are drifting towards irrelevance. And what I meant by that is in professional sports, there is no worse place a team can be than stuck in the middle. And that's where the Predators are. They're not good enough to win a Stanley Cup as constructed. They're not bad enough to tank, even though tonight we're recording this in the afternoon. Tonight they do have a 12.5% chance of landing the number one pick in the NHL draft, which would change a lot of this conversation to be sure. But under normal circumstances, they are not bad enough to rebuild their team through uh, high draft picks. So, they're really just stuck in the middle. They're just sort of there. And for a team that was built to win championships in the near term, frankly, that's unacceptable. So to hear Ryan Ellis say after the game that there's a new sense of belief in that, in that dressing room, great. They can believe that, but we shouldn't believe that. We have no reason to believe that. They've given us plenty of reason not to believe it over the past few years. So that's where I stand on the local professional hockey team. Braden, where do you place the most blame? If we're going to assign blame, if we're going to play the blame game, it's one of my favorite games. Whom do you blame the most for them? Because it's not, it's not just like, it's not just this fart in the wind of a playoff, a playoff qualifying series that we watched where sports in Middle Tennessee or professional sports in Middle Tennessee is back for five days or uh, four games, and then it's done. It's out of our lives just as quickly as it came back, where do you place the greatest amount of blame for the Preds' inconsistent regular season and then what we saw post-pandemic stop? Obviously, Pecorine. Um, it's clearly his fault. Burn it uh, down. <laughs> no, I, listen, I, this is a problem with the, the media industry writ large, which is we have to find a singular thing to blame, and that's just not the case. That's what I'm going to do. Um, David Poyle owns this. It hangs around his neck because he's the one who put it all together and kept it all together through many years, listening to players and doing what they're supposed to do and giving them the chance to do what they asked them to do. It hangs around the necks of the most expensive players on the team because they maybe did or didn't. Now, like Ryan Johansson was really good in the series, but playoff Johansson is is great when he wants to be and, and when he's focused and maybe in a bubble, it might be better for Ryan Johansson. Um, but I think, you know, the all the players that make the most amount of money, they already changed the coach, so you can't blame Lobby on this one. So it, it I think one of the worst things that could have happened is – they appear to have been the better team pretty clearly and to have outplayed Arizona and to have lost like that from a fan's perspective, I think was one of the worst things that could have happened to him. So um, I, I, I don't buy into the, the whole window thing. Like the window is open or closed or whatever. I, I may be used to subscribe to that, but I, I think when you can win a Stanley cup with a rookie goaltender and firing your coach and being in last place in January, the way the blues did, I, I think the window talk is sort of silly. I think you can, you can win a cup if you get the right, collection of ingredients together at the right time and and you and you play your ass off and and that's um I think there there are too many I don't want to say soft but there's too many high skill guys David Poyle went too hard after the high skill players and when you have guys like Granlin and Duchesne and um Kyle Turris who are all sort of in the same mold very skilled very handsy very toolsy but they're not going to go stand in the dirty areas and, and and make shit happen so I I uh I think you know, Craig Smith's the contract for him's out. You know, Granlin. There's there's going to be some different pieces that are going to be gone, and that's probably a good thing. The core nucleus is still the same people we're going to be talking about next year, though. Unless they make a huge trade, 
it's still going to be David Boyle and the most expensive players on the team that have to figure out a way to, to find success. Well, yeah, because the money's doled out against what's going to be a flat cap next year, Venga. Right. Yes, and, and to Braden's point, the one thing that I feel like this team is missing, and here's where I'll use my one bit of vulgarity per appearance on this. <laughs> Just show. say shit. You're, you're so so uh, so pretentious <laughs> about cussing. Just say shit. The, the, the Predators need an asshole. And, and what yeah. I and, and what I need by what I mean by that is look. There are still plenty of Predators fans that have a torrid love affair with James Neal. And that leaving him exposed in the expansion draft three years ago was the biggest mistake. And if he were still here, things would be different. No, James Neal is past his prime. And, and to a point, P.K. Subban, to an extent, though not to the same extent as James Neal, was also a bit of an asshole in terms of he's, he, he plays with an edge. And he knows when to, he knows the right things to say and when to say them. He knows how to get under other players' skin. And the Predators need a player like that. And, and you think of some of the players on other teams like that, like Tom Wilson or Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk, players who piss off their opponents but also are incredibly productive. Those players don't grow on trees. That's what this team needs. There are too many quote unquote nice guys on this team. Yep. They don't really, ha- I mean, they have. You know, the closest thing they have is Austin Watson, but Austin Watson is not an offensive dynamo. You know, maybe he'll get you eight to 10 goals a year, but I'm talking about they need a player who will score 20 to 25 goals a year, who will get in front of the net, that will draw a crowd every time he's on the ice. That's what this team needs. That's what they haven't had since James Neal left. And if if I were to pick a type of player that they should get somehow this offseason, that's probably the number one archetype I would target. Yeah, and it's – I mean, there is no there's no easy solution, right? I saw, Vengen, you wrote about why they're better off just buying out Kyle Turris at this point because you're not going to get anybody to take that contract, and it would be a blessing from above if you're a Preds fan for the Seattle Kraken to come in here and poach him off your roster in the expansion draft. But They're it not just, that dumb, though. Yeah, exactly. It's just everybody saw the same thing that we were watching the rest of the National Hockey League saw – and it's just not an easy way to maneuver around. So if we're going to we'll, – we'll end the Preds discussion on this because I was expecting to spend more time on them over the course of the next couple of weeks, but apparently that's not going to be the case. If you had one area, it can be across the organization. We'll go around the room, Braden. We'll start with you. One area that needs to get it right, that most needs to be corrected – during this offseason, I don't know what this offseason is going to look like. I don't know what their net, when they come back is going to look right. like based on the schedule that we're currently on with COVID. But one thing that they need to handle during this offseason. They, they need more uh, rectums, apparently. Like, that's what they need. Like, I totally agree with, with Vingan. It's, it's not the defense core. It's not the goaltending. I don't think you need to, you know, ask David Poyle to step down. They've already made the coaching change. If there's a couple of tweaks with the forwards, like we talked about, letting Smith, Granlin go, you know, buying out tourists, whatever, th- there needs to be someone who doesn't give a shit. Like, and that person needs to – that's what P.K. Subban was. That's, you know, like Corey Perry is that guy, right? Like, you can name guys – now, he's past his prime. I get that. But th- there's guys that just don't care. And that's the player you need on the front six. That, that's to me. And I don't know how you make that happen. I don't know who that guy is. Vingan, this is your world. But 
you need someone that's going to stir it up and is going to piss people off. And it's got to be a top six guy. They've got a great third line. Like if you bought Craig Smith back and paired him with Nick Bonino and Rocco Grimaldi, I think you feel pretty good about that line. It's the second one. That's the one that's kind of soft and, and you can't let Duchesne go because the mayor gave him a guitar. So uh, you, you gotta, you've, the ex mayor. It's, oh, that's true. That's my bad. The, or the interim mayor, I should say. John um, Cooper, his hands are clean on that one. So <laughs> that's I'm just fair saying. Point. Just, fair point. He, he's got other issues. Uh, God, but, I would much. I, I want so badly yeah. to have that podcast. Can John know. Cooper lend uh, Buck some of his eyebrows, though? That's he does. He's got some to spare, man. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm That's okay. What I'm saying. Like genetically, I'm not worried about it. I'm heir of the best thing that I do is hair. I do. John tan. Cooper looks like John Cooper I, I, looks like the Utz owl on the potato. I, chip I, I will also agree. I will also agree with Buck that the best thing he does is hair. Um, so I think, I, I think it's again Grandland and Turris. Get those guys off the, the out of the top six. And then figure out your top six with some attitude. I mean, that's the, the shortest answer. Vengan, before you address this, and then we'll get you out of here before we start talking college football, and you you have uh, you have de- you have declined our invitation to participate in that particular conversation. I just think that the conversation would be much less intelligent if I'm a part of it. I'm actually well, yeah. doing your audience a favor. And I re- and I respect the self awareness in that. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, the the idea that they need an asshole in the locker room. Braden mentioned PK. Was there any legitimacy to him chafing, for lack of a better word, with that locker room um, based on just who he was? You saw a little bit of that. Players like PK are easy to target with that. Is that a real thing that that locker room experienced? You know, I can't speak to that completely, but, you know, PK Subban, as a player, we know what he's like. We know how he, how he, sits versus the typical NHL hockey player. And why I typical, liked him so much. Yes. Well, that's why a lot of people like him so much. Um, but, you know, we're, I, can, I, can I definitively say that his former teammates were happy to see him go? I, I can't speak to that. Um, but to your previous question about what needs, to, what needs to be looked at, what might need to change, you know, sort of what – I'm going to bring up a point that Braden brought up. I do think that it is time to take a good, hard look at David Poyle as general manager. Now, does that mean that he needs to be removed from that position? No. But I do believe that for the first time, and maybe a long while, I mean, he has been the general manager of this organization for 23 years. He's been a GM in the league since 1982. I think for the first time in a long time, the the Predators need – to take a look at David Boyle. Um, as I wrote in the column, to me, it seems as if though he has lost his proverbial fastball. Um, I do believe that David Boyle is still very much a capable GM in this league. I, I don't think the game has passed him by, so to speak, but you look at all of the moves that he has made over the past couple of years, and to me at this point, it is not a coincidence that all of these previously productive players have come to Nashville and suddenly started to suck. It, you know, it's one thing if it's just Kyle Turris or just Mikhail Granlund, but it is, it's Turris and Granlund and Ryan Hartman and Wayne Simmons. I mean, it's not, for just to name a few, it's not a coincidence at this point. Now, like I said, does that mean that David Poyle needs to be kicked upstairs and, and, and maintain 
the, the title of president of hockey operations and have someone else become the GM and, and operate on the day-to-day? I don't know. But I do believe that for the first time in a very long time, David Poyle, to me, has lost the benefit of the doubt. And I do believe that is something that the higher-ups in the Predators organization need to at least research and consider during the offseason. Sometimes that's just how you have to do the analysis. It's, you know, they're good at their job until they show you otherwise. And after a while, you're right, it stops becoming coincidence and then it starts becoming a trend. But Vingan doing the easy thing, taking out the old man, the people, <laughs> uh, the Preds, or the, uh, the, the, the guy that the Preds fans love the most, not named Pecorine, a very, uh, a very strong take by Adam Began of The Athletic. You can read his column and all the work that he will be doing on the Nashville Predators at theathletic.com. You can follow him on the socials at Adam Vingan. You are now excused. Thank you for your time. All right. Have fun talking about college football. Oh, God. <laughs> now from it's Rona just... To Z- from Rona to Zona. Remember Get that. Get out of here. You go all from right. Rona to Zona. The hell I, off my I, I Zoom screen. I didn't have Rona. You did. <laughs> I still do for at least another okay, seven bye. days, according to the state. Now we talk <laughs> college football with Braden Gall of Athlon Sports and Sirius XM. All right. Your world, professionally, it seems, is ending around us. Mm. Um, yeah. Where would you like to start? Cool. You think that um, the Big Ten – We'll be playing college football this season by the time we end of this podcast. At, at, at the risk of being um, called a Corona bro who's peddling fear porn, uh, I don't think anybody's playing. But that's, uh, again, I think a smart way to start the conversation is to plan for the worst and hope for the best. Even Greg Sankey today said, we don't know if we're going to play. We're going to try, but we don't know. Sounds a lot like Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, a couple of weeks ago when they announced they were canceling the non-conference games when he said, we still need fans to be prepared to think that we're not going to play maybe, but we're going to try. And I think that's what's happening. I, I So let's know, take I'm, people, before, before you expand, let's take sure. people through the timeline that has transpired over the last, let's say, 72 hours. Because last week when I did my last show, it was, uh, it was interconference play for the SEC everybody's happy because you have a schedule for Tennessee. You have the new SEC schedule coming out. And then over the course of the next couple days, what happened? So the the MAC, the first conference officially to cancel its entire season. And that is for, for sort of one collective reason. That's a lot of maybe smaller reasons underneath. But if you think about it, those budgets are already very close to the margins. And what you're doing when you're playing during a, a pandemic is you're actually increasing costs of across the board. You have to pay testing and protocols and additional personnel and, you know, all the different things you have to do. So you're increasing costs while decreasing revenue because you've taken games off the books that would have paid for all of this and no fans. I don't know how many fans go to an Akron Zips game, but whatever, it's still lost revenue. So it it doesn't normally work when you're already razor thin on the margins and you increase cost and decrease revenue. So most group of five leagues are going to be stuck in that same boat. So the Mac canceled its season on Saturday. And again, I don't even think you need really, Buck, a timeline for all of this because it's it, – they're all just having day-to-day conversations. Like every league right now is trying to figure out a way to get around one issue, and it is not coronavirus. It is not COVID-19. Their one issue is that the people that are making all of them money are not employees. That is the issue. And, the, and it's I've been on your show probably four times now, and every time I said how – do you handle the legal liability of 
all of the of 6,500 kids for power five conferences and all of their family situations. It, it, unless their health can be collectively bargained by legal representation, which would be the NCAA admitting that they are employees and not amateurs, this will not happen. And that's not me being a, I'm not trying to peddle fear porn here to people. Like I'm just trying to tell you the reality of the situation. It, it, the seasons will get canceled, not because people are morally going to do the right thing. They want the money. Um, but it's, it's because I don't think there, there's a legal path there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. The liability issue has always been the issue for me from the beginning on this is how do you, how do you take care of the liability when parents and kids are involved? Sure. You built a business model that was, you know, over Mark Emmert's dead body going to pay the workforce. And turns out when you need the workforce to cooperate, you legally can't get their cooperation based on the way that this is going down. Well, and, I, and to, to your point, and sorry, to your point about the timeline now on, on, what is it, Monday? I don't know. It's a flat circle. We are taping this Tuesday podcast currently Monday <laughs> afternoon at 3.08 p.m. So the big development Monday, of course, is all these conferences are meeting to decide whether, you know, how long can they pretend that there's a season. And, but the players are now, and the coaches, of course, and all the ADs are all now unified in their we want to play efforts, right? We want to play, we want to play. And I respect that. That's great. I'm, I, I think it's great that a bunch of players want to, you know, that they're okay choosing the, the risk reward in their lives. And that is American individualism at its finest. Like that is the beauty of our country is you get to smoke a pack a day if you want to and die of lung cancer. That's your choice, dude. Like, fine. You want to eat Big Macs all day and drink milkshakes and die of a heart attack? That's on you. That's America. You're allowed to do that. So I'm cool with players having this right to say all this stuff. A lot of people Probably, do that, by the way. Right. And the problem is, which is also another issue around coronavirus. Which another is totally day. Save subject. it for the John Cooper podcast. <laughs> Save it for the Cooper podcast. Maybe if we weren't such fat assholes, maybe we wouldn't all be dying of coronavirus. But anyway. But they could play on the second line for the Prince. <laughs> yeah, You're yes, fat so asshole. We need you right. out there. Get on the yeah, ice. Get, get out there and be a <laughs> dick. Um, so it's, I think, again, they are allowed to do all of that. But even if they are, and they choose to, it doesn't eliminate legal liability from the, the, the person running all of this, which would be you know, Alabama or Tennessee or Georgia or Ohio State or whatever. They, they are still on the hook for whatever happens. And if one kid ends up in a hospital and dies, one kid, you are looking at a, 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 whole, a whole huge shitstorm that nobody knows what we look like as a sport coming out the end of that. So oh, sure. it's not, you know... It's not about being timid or soft or scared. It's, it's about being smart, but it's also about legal liability. And, and the players want to play. I get it. My three-year-old wants to eat birthday cake every morning for breakfast. And I can't look at her and be like, hmm, what do you think of the long-term health ramifications of eating a birthday cake every single day? You know, she just tweets back at me like, let me eat cake, you know. And, and, and then politicians get involved that never cared about cake ever before, and now they're now they're tweeting about cake. Right. Uh, that's that's it's and it's you know it's the same thing as any other subject matter it seems in our society today. One side is going to take it up for their cause, rightly or wrongly, and then you weaponize it uh, as an argument against the other side for no other means but to create argument. And, and when it serves when it serves them. And this is what I didn't like about the, not to bring up the Tennessee coaching search, but what I don't like about college athletics, one of the worst parts about college sports and football is uh, selective moral outrage. You are, you pick and choose when you get to be on your moral high horse to support XYZ cause when it suits you best. And like, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from you, Buck. I want all these politicians. I am here for the politicians tweeting their support of athletes. Give it all to me. Give me all the tweets 
about how you are standing with the athletes and you're pro athlete and you're here for the athlete and let's go athlete. Because when you tell them to shut up and dribble next semester, I'm going to bring all these tweets back to you and say, no, wait a second. What about when you were, you know, battling for reelection and you needed football because your base likes it. Like I just, it's just so transparent and hypocrisy. It's just, it's very frustrating. I'm very frustrated. I listen. Frustration does not even begin to describe the emotions of the last what six <laughs> six months at this point. Um, as a business, where do they go from here? Because I am of the opinion that, rightly or wrongly, the players advocating the players understanding their actual value. It took a global pandemic for the players in college to understand they don't make that the organizations that the universities do not make money without their participation, without their willingness to coalesce without a paycheck. Now you are seeing in the hashtag we want to play movement or or in the Pac-12 players statement on the Players Tribune making demands and saying if these are not met, we will not play. Whatever it is, it's unionization in college football. The thing that they have been fighting against, the thing, the thing that the NCAA has been fighting against since its existence, the thing that it's purpose is really to stamp out how is there is there a way that college football adapts is there a roadmap for that at all because I think that this totally changes everything that we know about the sport it and here's like the really interesting angle to all of this because and I don't know if this is optimism or you know putting a you know shining up a turd I'm not really sure here but I I do think that through all of those changes you just laid out that we're going to discuss here which I think are all you know, we can have a really, you know, intelligent discussion about it. I don't think your experience as a college football fan is going to change. I just don't. If you're an Alabama fan and you're watching Alabama football in 2011 or 2015 or 2026, and the players happen to be making a few money, a few dollars off Instagram posts, or they have better health care after they're done playing football, they make a few extra dollars from God knows what sort of revenue or, or, you know, maybe there's a, a way to put it into a fund, a retirement fund post-graduation that you get. Maybe they got extra degrees. Maybe they got to play. Maybe they got to visit with an NFL agent before being selected in the draft. And maybe they got to come back to school or maybe they got to transfer. Oh, my God, without having to sit out. Like, your life isn't any different. Like, I, I think through all of that stuff that these athletes are asking for, your life as a Tennessee fan sitting down on Saturdays to watch them play Kentucky or Florida or Georgia – it's not going to be any different. No. It, it, it literally has no effect on you, the fan, getting to enjoy your favorite team play football. And I think that's what's really important to keep in mind here is, um, you know, and to, to, to add to your pandemic, it wasn't just a pandemic. It was also a racial awakening as well in a workforce that is like 80% black or whatever. So it's, it's you put those two together, you combine it with name, image, and likeness, which is also giving the athletes more power to understand their value. And you put all these forces together – and I actually think the coach who leans into all of that stuff the hardest is going to be the coach that wins the fastest coming out of all of this. P.J. Fleck at Minnesota is doing a good job of this. Strangely enough, old boy special teams coordinator from a high school in Alabama, old boy Jeremy Pruitt that cannot buy suits that fit him is actually very much on the, on the front end of this. He, he's cool with players getting out and speaking up, up about racial injustice. He's cool with the – I mean, he, he gets it, man. And Jeremy Pruitt, I think, is actually on the front end of this stuff. And so he who embraces all of that is going to, I think, have a better chance to win. And as a fan, don't worry about it. Like, it's, not, it's like an NFL fan saying, oh, you should sign Derrick Henry. It's, I'm worried about the cost. Like, well, it's not your money. Like, it's not like, 
who cares if the athletes get treated a little bit better? I mean, who, how does it affect your life? Like I, it, it just doesn't. So I think it's really important to remember that, you know, if you're sitting down to watch your favorite team, it's going to be the same. It, you know, if you're a Kentucky basketball fan and all those one and doneers don't go to Kentucky, let's say Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, you know, none of those guys, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, none of those guys went to Kentucky. You think they would have gone, like, people were not going to go to Kentucky games? Like, no. no, of course they're still going to games. They're just going to be, their teams won't be as cool, but they're still going to be going to games. So Now, if they change the racist name on the arena, then they're not going to the games. <laughs> right, right. That's a different matter yeah, entirely. That, that's too far. That's too far, Buck. But I, you, know. you get my point. Like, none of this stuff is going to affect you as a fan. Just, just let it happen. Don't worry about it. Just let the athletes work it out and, and enjoy your games when we get it finally in August of 2021. God, <laughs> don't do this to me. I'm just, I'm, I, 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 we just got so close and it was just, it's, it's like the Preds. It's just enough to tease you and, uh, and make you stick around for a little longer. Just that college football. It did, feel, it, it, did, it did feel good for a second there to watch them like real sports. And it did feel good when the conferences threw us some red meat to like, look at schedules. Oh, Tennessee, you know, Georgia got the easy way. Like it gave us some red meat to chew on, but all it is is kicking the can. They're all kicking the can down the road as long as they can to try to pretend that there's going to be a season. And I, I hope there is, I hope they figure it out. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm expecting the worst. Odds are against them. Braden Gull of Athlon Sports. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the Cover 2 podcast that he does on a regular basis. He penned an open letter to college football that you can listen to in the most recent edition, you can hear him also on Sirius XM from time to time on ESPN Radio. Appreciate your time, my brother. And, uh, and we, I'm sure we'll talk at some point whether there's college yeah. football or not. Yeah, I think, yeah, the most important thing is just to not get sucked into a meaningless debate about stuff. You know, like just be. What okay else am I going to do with my time? It's, it's well, the only reason a, I log on to Twitter in the morning. I'm there to fight with people. Um, dude, my wife looks at me and he's like, what, why are you still on that machine? And I'm like, I, I can't stop. It's like, a, it's like dopamine in my brain, but, but you can still have good, smart, intelligent, rational, cautious, you know, productive discussions on Twitter. You don't just have to fling fecal matter at each other. And, and that's why, that's why we're here. That's why we're not going to have football is because we could not just openly have a, a complicated conversation. We had to yell at each other about it. And that's, that's the way they wanted it. So that's how it ended up. That's true. And that's where we will find ourselves in the fall of 2020. Three. Wait, do you have your, do you have your topic, which you're pre uh, prepared to espouse about? No, this was also, I don't know. Okay. What, what am I supposed to be talking about? I sent you a text an hour ago and I've said, I've been babysitting grandkids. Okay, then, then don't worry about it. It's recording. This is perfect because now we're in the podcast. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Uh, my mother is here. She's pissed because I've been patronizing to her about the Zoom call. She's pissed because she feels unprepared. She's pissed because we do things last minute around here. We're very well, happy to have her regardless. I'm sorry. I have not yet seeded my time. Hi, Mom. Hello, honey. <laughs> People can see your face. You know that, right? You know the oh, tone. The I tone. mean, hi, honey. Hi. Yeah, yeah. My mother is here for our 100th episode of the 615 Session Podcast. We felt no better way to top things off uh, than some, uh, than just, you know, general espousings. 
Um, because typically, Mom, what I had texted you, if you had responded to your son who is currently sick and dying of illnesses oh that this great country is affected by, the pandemic has reached my home, I'm struggling, uh, I'm short of breath, and here you sit dismissing my text messages, even though your son has come down with COVID. So I appreciate all your, uh, all your uh, motherly, motherly duties there. I've checked in with you, and I, I'm appropriately maternal. <laughs> okay, how, how would you describe appropriately maternal? Because I think that could stay. <laughs> I would be fascinated to hear your definition of appropriately maternal. Well, I was, I was very alarmed when, no. you, when you told me you, you got tested. You, I mean, that you tested positive. And, um, and then I was sort of resigned because, you know, we'll, we'll all get it at some point. And then I was suspicious about how well you'd really been, you know, taking the, uh, the protocols uh, seriously. If you've been, uh, you know, masking up and, and wiping down services, et cetera. But, you know, it is what it is, as, as some people's favorite. Um, Mom, if you, you know, I'm not going to hold you back here. Just know that if you get political, I have to offer equal time to somebody. And I don't know many people on the other side of you. Go for it. We'll stick. We'll stick to COVID. <laughs> well, you know, one you inherent, see, one inherent. What does your button say, Mother? It says, people. "I will vote." You will so, vote. Now, Indiana has not yet voted. Tennessee has voted. So what? I'm talking about November third, sweetheart. I'm talking about primary elections. Yes, no. I'm talking about well, all in all and every elections. It's everybody. It's every citizen's responsibility. So since I'm doing this pro bono, pro bono, I figured I could, you know. Get in my cause. Yeah, the people did not know that my mother requires a talent fee to do the podcast. That's why she only makes an appearance once a year. No, I, uh, I thought this would be fun to do because rarely people seem to enjoy the dynamic between us, even though they don't know you and they don't get to hear from you on a regular basis. This is, in fact, something that my bosses suggest because apparently your stylings on finding out that Karen, your name, was being used as a slur across the country. We have many things to discuss. You, you abandoned my sister and my stepfather on a 10-day road trip across America. So if you want to talk about people violating the social distancing and travel protocols, the uh, pot, meat, kettle. So we will talk about that. We will talk about all of these things. But uh, let's again start with you. You avoided the question. This is expert diplomacy by you. What, how do you define uh, adequate mothering or whatever the phrase uh, you use? Appropriately maternal was what I used. Appropriately maternal. And, how would one define appropriately maternal? Well, in this case, since you're in Nashville and, and we're in Indiana, you know, I had to call in, make sure you had all the information and that you had somebody who could, you know, in case you got delirious and uh, with fever, you know, somebody who would be able to pick your body up off the, the floor. And, you know, after that, then just going to have to let it ride. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the case all over the country. Uh, just let it ride. Um, you'll, you'll be pleased to know. This is actually interesting because you are somebody who abhors college sports and uh, college football anyway. Maybe that's the way. I was, I was, is that a misrepresentation? I was only objecting to the, the segmentation, you know, I mean, and, and I don't abhor anything. I just think sports in general take way too much of a priority 
in our lives. Okay, and that's that's a fair statement. So I don't know if you've seen this. What's happening here in college football is college football conferences have started to cancel their seasons. They've started with the smaller mm-hmm. conferences, the bigger ones like the SEC here and the Big Ten where Indiana plays and the Pac-12 and the Big 12. The main Power Five conferences, as we call them, in sports have not yet canceled, but the smaller schools have begun to do so. How do you feel about them taking that action uh, at present? Do you have any opinions on that? Well, you know, given given the moniker Karen, I'm expected I'm expected and do have opinions on everything. So well, you use your Karen powers for good, and we'll talk about right, Karen here right. in a second. What no, is I mean, again, what is Karen Rising's opinion on the lack of college football that college football probably going to be canceled this year. How do you feel? about oh, that? Well, I know it's very sad. I mean, and I, I am very sad for all concerned, of course, but I, given where we are in terms of our level of affection and the, the, the lack of, you know, adequate testing, it's inevitable. It's too bad. We just have to, but you know, it, it will be on the other side of this next year with remedies and, and vaccines and, then things will move forward. But it's, it's very sad. It's a big part of everybody's life. Well, it, I mean, you know, not necessarily. Like, you are somebody who probably didn't notice the absence of sports over the past five months. Like, I mean, well, and there's nothing wrong with that. Your life is no different. The fact that sports have not been played for the past five months and are just now starting to make their reemergence, no? No, but I'm aware of how, how you know, it... it affects everybody else and listen since when do you play the good guy on this stuff you were absolutely ripping college athletics the last time we talked about this oh 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 no only in the sense that they need to be paid because i don't i feel like the college schedules are so full of um you know games and and you know the, the time commitment that that the kids don't get a proper education which as you know to me is the cornerstone of all economic security and social stability is a good education. So that should be a priority. That's what I was, that's what I. Totally reasonable. But when the colleges, because this is an interesting way that it bears out, the colleges have built a, an economic model that does not allow them to function without football, that does not allow their athletic departments to function because of football, that does not allow for resources across the campus to be generated because of football, not just the support of men's and women's soccer or lacrosse or swimming and diving, but the ability of athletics, especially for SEC schools, to generate funds for buildings across campus and to go back into the university's coffers. This is a situation where football inherently leads to lesser, a lack of football leads to these universities essentially because of the way that they spend their money on an annual basis, not banking any of it, Alabama is pleading cash poor. And Mm. that is one of the biggest revenue generators in all of sports from merchandising on down. So do you, how do you kind of balance the lack of college football that there will probably be with how that inherently is going to affect education because the colleges have, you know, sold out. Because I don't know enough truly in detail about all of the financial dynamics, you know, I, I shouldn't comment, but then that doesn't stop most people. So, you know, it's just, it's, it wouldn't stop a real Karen. It, it, it was, it was, you know, they were able, 
football is the overwhelming fan favorite, so people pay, and the colleges, you know, took it and ran with it, and, you know, college costs, I mean, the whole, the whole college infrastructure in terms of cost, anyway, is, is ridiculous and not um, an overblown, and so football, you know, knocking one of the legs out from under the, uh, the way too heavy expenses that, that college, you know, the, the cost of college now. I mean, uh, they'll just, they're gonna have to readjust, they're gonna have to slim down, and it's gonna have to be focused more on academics, which is, again, you know, that's what's gonna get people jobs is, is an education, especially in the tech economy that we have and that is gonna just be ex expedited and accelerated by this. Even if it costs me my job, I went to college. Well, honey. <laughs> <laughs> there's no football, you know, I don't have a job, mom. What did I tell you? I said, you know, you, there's, there's great jobs in the government, you know, in, in the intelligence services and, and the State Department. I tried to get, you, you know, law school. So, you know, am I feeling just a little bit of, of, of you know, satisfaction? At the, no, I'm not. I'm not. And I don't want you to lose your job. <laughs> are you admitting that you are in front of an audience right now? People are seeing this. People are going to watch this. You have oh, you're going to cut all this out anyway. What are you, you just what are you, publicly <laughs> lobbied for me to lose my job so you could say I told you so? No, no, no. I what? I, I hypothetically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that. Makes you uh, that that uh, what what exposes your true colors as an actual Karen. So walk people through this because this is pretty funny. The idea that you had no idea that this phenomenon was all over social media. Your your name is Karen. Your name is being used as a slur across the country for people who are strident and overbearing, often white and middle-aged, I, uh, I will not classify you in any of these ways for fear of my own safety, although I should for you just publicly lob lobbying for me to lose my job so you could say I told you so. This is hugely vindictive. Um, but so how, how have you experienced the Karen phenomenon now that you understand what the hell is going on on social media? Well, because I'm not on social media. Yeah. Of course, I was oblivious to it. I was about to say, and do you want me to plug your social media, by the way? I can't, you know, I can't. You are politically involved, so I can't plug your politically involved causes on social yes. media, but I can plug your personal social media if you're trying well, to I, I don't use it, you know. Okay. Then well, then I have the luxury it. of not using it, given that I'm, given that I'm retired. And, and um, so, you know, but uh, yeah, I was appalled and offended and, you know, I'm, um, I mean, I, I get it though. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you know, you said that you, the, the name, the, the name is being used, uh, against, against Karens who are on the wrong side of many of the, many of the issues that we are facing as a country, given the racial climate, given the political hostility, that is going on, given everything that's that's being provoked by COVID, uh, the name is being used as the wrong uh, for the wrong side. By your own admission, have you experienced any run-ins where people are uh, scared of you going full Karen? Because I've, I've been on the receiving end of that for 27 years of my life. I know that it's very much like the videos that people are observing, except without you know with fewer submachine guns. 
No, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that kind of Karen. That's not where I want to be. That's not where I am. So, um, um, you know, like I said, I'm going to change my name to, you know, Mika or Abishola or something that, you know, that puts me where I want to be on the progressive side of, of all issues, whether, you know, environment and diversity and, um, and healthcare. No, but, you know, just... again. But so have you seen any of the videos of Karen? Yeah. Okay. I so I watched them. Okay. So how many did you watch? How did like where, you know, you gotta, you gotta lay this out for the people. This is an audio medium, mom. Well, to be honest, you know, and then this, this will go right to my vanity. I was just glad when one showed up and she looked so young. <laughs> <laughs> What's beeping in the background? She's running off of the camera to go silence something that nobody else in the house can hear. Here on the six one five sessions, I see this. This interview was going to go one of two ways, and I'm not sure what what's beeping at you. Well, it's you know, and for the record, I'm glad this is being recorded for posterity because I'm actually cooking. So cooking what? Stuffed peppers with with chickpeas and goat cheese. Thank you very much. Okay, see, this is this is an excellent transition. It proves that you're better at this job than me, because cooking in my lifetime with you is not something ah. that was a real thing. Don't go there. What, don't go where? Where am I going to go? Am I going to go to the rotisserie chicken that I would eat at Sam's Club with a side of uh, with a side of chocolate Easter eggs, or shall I go to you know any variety of Morning Star products that I've been pumped full of over the course of my life that I believe have linger, lingering side effects? That's why my eyebrows are gone, Mom. Don't blame the, don't blame your side effects on me, buddy. No. <laughs> But so walk people before you got distracted, walk yeah. people through the viewing of the Karen videos and how, where did you find them? How did you find them? How did you experience them? Well, you know, again, given my age, I forget everything that, you know, I, I, I have no memory. I have no recall, but nobody knows point, your age. I, I went, I went on and, you know, the, first of all, and I am now, I am going to lose the, the regard of, of most of your viewing audience when I say I really love Lori Lightfoot you know, the mayor of Chicago. So I started there and then I went to, and then their other stuff came up and, you know, condescending and patronizing and um, entitled, definitely. All of those were characteristics that they displayed. And I had to admit- But they? Maybe uncomfortable because that's, you know, I, I have to own up to some of that. So some I'm, of I'm trying to, I'm trying to be, what? Did you- <laughs> <laughs> some of it what do you mean some of it well i'm 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 moderating my my attitude and i don't you wish that that your father was here to to hear that <laughs> yeah no kidding i uh i think uh i think that every time i see one of these karen videos come across my timeline that i'm reliving a piece of my childhood or uh, in some form or fashion not necessarily directed at me but perhaps some unsuspecting telephone solicitor that called between the hours of five and seven on the receiving end of that furor that I saw so many times. As a single working parent, the last thing that I needed to do when I'm trying to put, you know, what, what, uh, you know, admittedly were less than stellar meals together at, at dinner time. The last thing I wanted to do was talk to some. You can uh, cuss. It's a podcast, mom individual why well, I, I try trying to trying to sell me some you know car insurance or something so yes i was very rude and hung up i admit to that 
<laughs> and and that, that attitude has extended to other things inappropriately and often made you cringe from the time you were old enough to be um, um, aware. I fear <laughs> confrontation. These, these are lasting effects. I can't sit on a toilet the right way, and I fear confrontation. True. These are results from my childhood. What? You know, you got you, listen, this is, a, this is the 100th episode. You nope. can't yell at me. Here you have to explain that story to the people right now. Right I now. I will never do this again without strictly delineating what topics are off. Should have checked your text messages before the pod, Mom. <laughs> Should have done it. You had the opportunity. Grandmother thing. This this segment is typically called Five Good Minutes. Okay, so and yes, it's it's wonderful that you're doing the grandmother thing. For those listening at home, those are not my illegitimate children uh, that she is babysitting, nor my sisters. Um, I so tell the people the story of why I can't, why I did. It took me some time to learn how to sit on a toilet properly. No, I will not. I, no, absolutely either you not. do it. Either you do it or I'm going to do it. Drew, I'm going to pull a Donald Nobody knows who you're... Walk away from the podium if you, if you, um, if you persist in this line. That was, I felt very badly about that. Stop. No, that is not an appropriate topic. I'm not... It's no. a very, very appropriate topic. That, Mom, you are, you are my mother. You are on this podcast. It is meant to be self-deprecating. This is not a shot at you. I'm simply asking you to explain the, to the people the reference that I made. If you do not, I will do it. No, I'm not going to no. I'm, I'm really, I'm stop. What do you mean stop? Mom, this is terrible radio we're doing right now. You yeah. have to, you have to deliver. You have to be willing to lean in. No, I, I should have paid the talent fee. All right. We'll, we'll run that back for another edition. Okay. So people don't understand you and I share uh, something. We share many, many things in common. But you recently took a 10-day road trip just to get the hell out of quarantine, like we all do. We all are very cooped up in our homes. We are all very restricted in our comings and goings. But because we share this commonality in a way that we just have to have space from other human beings from time to time, I need somebody to have a sounding board uh, off of this because my girlfriend was in the car while you were explaining to her that you tell how many how many different states did you drive through from Indiana? Mm, um, West for Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, um, Maryland, DC. And you took this road trip because why? Because I needed to get out of here, um, the <laughs> of the of the summer, which I always hate, and I needed to be back with my people, who are much more politically liberal than, <laughs> than my Southern Indiana environs. And, so you're, uh, you're feeling the pressure that we all are from one political party or another, and yes. you are more aligned with the people that uh, reside in the Northeast. That's right. Plus. That's the only area of the country that has a handle on on COVID. So the the, the rates there are 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 very low, not raging like in so many other parts of the country. So I and did. I've never Great been state to, of Tennessee, red hot. I'd never and I'd never been to Vermont and New Hampshire, despite all the time that we you know lived in New York and New Jersey and D.C. So I thought I'm going to go, and it was fabulous. Loved it. Okay, and so. One, you, you went to very uh, a bunch of cool places, and obviously mm -hmm. D.C. is somewhere you're intimately familiar with, yeah. um, and we will, we will go through the highlights of your trip here momentarily, but the need to get away from people <laughs> is something that I cannot seem to explain 
to people who aren't us. Like I, I, I have, I don't even, I don't know if you can describe it as social anxiety. I don't know if I've been telling that to myself um, as to why I get so uncomfortable in crowds, why I make faces of disgust and disdain in crowds when I'm out among people. It's not even intentional. I just do it. I just have one of these faces, but it is something where I'm trying to explain to my girlfriend that, yeah, you know, sometimes I just need three or four days. I'm not ditching you for 10 like my mom is to my stepdad or my sister, my young, vulnerable, impressionable sister starting her senior year of high school. You leave her by the wayside in this place that you believe to be politically destitute, and you go off on a cultural experience across the Northeast. But, like, what, what, why, why are we like this? I guess this is my larger question. Why don't we like people? <laughs> Well, it's a mischaracterization. We do like people, but we? we also like, I like people, but I like being alone. I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy being alone. I enjoy, you know, exploring things on my own. As you know, I traveled all over the Middle East, largely on my own before I met your dad. And um, it's just, you know, why not? And then, and then also there's the boredom sometimes of being around a lot of people who don't share your interest. So that, you know, those are some reasons, not all fit all the time, but being alone is, is great. I, I enjoy it. It's not the, you know. I'm such a fan. Like I'm, I'm absolutely going to implement social distancing long after this is over because <laughs> I, I just, I, I, it's, it's so weird. We went to, we went to like the Atlanta Botanical Gardens uh, Dara and I one time for just like an afternoon and she had to like stop me and ask if I was okay because I'm like making faces like I'm physically snarling at people because they get too close or because children make me uncomfortable and they scream and they yell and they poop all over the place and you can't control them. You can't reason with them. I hate it. You, you know, your, your, your attitudes are your own. I'm, I'm, explaining. <laughs> I'm, I'm explaining. You used to love kids. I love kids. You do. And you're an exceptional grandmother. And or I'm sure you don't prefer that, uh, that, that moniker. That's all right. I'm, you know, Gigi stands for, you know, groovy grandma. So groovy grandma. that's my name, Gigi. So okay. when I, so yeah, I'm, I'm good being a grandmother. All right. So what were the highlights of your, was it, was it 10 days? Did it end up being 10 days, your trip? Well, I said it would be 10 days roughly, but I intended that it might be longer, and indeed it was 12. <laughs> um, because it takes a long time to drive. You know, it's 3,000 miles, but... But sure, my, you like people. You're right. And, uh, and uh, it, was, it was wonderful. The, the country's beautiful. I went to see Frank Lloyd Wright's masterpiece, Falling Waters, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's gorgeous. All these places are so beautiful. And because of COVID, so much is shut down. I mean... Usually the Northeast is very crowded, but you know, driving the, the New York Thruway and and a lot of the um, you know I ninety five and the interstates, it was really it was really nice. Plus the weather was good. I was in New Hampshire and I started off in eighty degree weather at the base of a of a cog railway that is the second steepest in the world to Mount Washington, and um, by the time we got out, it was. 40 degrees and the fog was so thick you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you. So that was very cool. And everybody should travel all over the country. It's great. You know, let's, let's don't get into um, patri patriarchal society and uh, 
No, let's. I listen. The whole reason you're here is to expand on some of these thoughts. Like people no, no. try. Wait, what do you mean? No, no. I'm just saying. You know, I'm not going to have hate mail or whatever comes via social media, which you're I don't not on social it. media. Directed at me. So. No, you're operating. You're you got the sweet spot, mom. You can say whatever you want, and nobody can find you. The only place they, they can they can yell at me. You know, I'm probably going to get the heat on this in my Twitter mentions. You don't know where the hell to find your mentions. It's a beautiful thing. I wish I could live with such ignorance. That is true. I'm very, I'm very blessed and and, and grateful for my, for the fact that uh, I don't have to be engaged except when I want to be. Exactly. You can pick your spot. So what what this segment is typically devoted to? It's the end of the podcast. We've taped out of order today, uh, but it's called Five Good Minutes. As I texted you to try and prep you, and you ignored my text as you do. Uh, during uh, during the middle of my COVID illness, respect my illness. I feel completely uh, uh, unsatisfactory. I can't even think of the word, but I have been mothered unsatisfactory. I can't. I don't know what the adjective. Unsatisfactorily. Okay. See, I'm, that's what. I'm, well, I, I definitely. I was struggling. I couldn't find it. But as a bonus, you know, you can you can get your 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 uh, your dad to pop in here and say a few words. He's just strolled in from taking over the the grand. Down, say hi. Hello. <laughs> That's perfect. That's all we need. That's all we need. Rick Rising, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so this the segment is typically called Five Good Minutes. So while I good. stall, I'm going to explain to you the segment of Five okay. Good Minutes, and I'm going to allow okay. you the opportunity to gather gather your thoughts. So I spend five minutes at the end of every podcast bitching about something that I didn't have to have the chance to get to during the course of the normal podcast. It doesn't have to be sports related. It doesn't, ha- it can be whatever you would like it to be. Uh-huh. So it's just imparting my opinion with perhaps a shred of wisdom or something that I know and some unique insight, rarely though, do, that I have on the particular subject. And so now I'm going to ask you, maybe not for five good minutes, but maybe we can have five good minutes on some advice that you would like to impart to the audience. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, wow. I really wish I would have read that email. <laughs> That's literally, I, I text, I, ga- I gave you an hour heads up. That's more than I do for anybody. <sighs> That's all right. I can stall and you can think. I literally no, spend all right. day in front I of this do, microphone. I, I have very good advice. All right. Give them, and give that is that it is every citizen's responsibility to pay attention, not just at this election, but all elections, because... In a democracy, the people really do have the power, and if you neglect that power, democracy can wither. And so it's up to all of us to pay attention to what's going on, make your own judgments, and then vote. That's, there's nothing more important, really, than reminding people that it's all of our responsibility the way that this country goes. Are you excited about what you're seeing? Throughout the throughout the country, with regards to that, are you seeing people engage more on your end? Are you seeing people, who are you waving off right now? We're we're, we're going to lean into the pot. Who are you waving off? Rick, he's he's, <laughs> he's hovering. <laughs> he's getting ice and stuff. He's creating background noise. I was trying to help you. That's fine. That's you. You got to lean okay. into the distraction. You got to make it part of the show. So so listen. Yes, I am, and you know, it's not just. It, it, I think it's tremendously exciting. And I know with all change, there's good and bad. 
but to see younger people of of all political you know affiliations and and people who weren't weren't even politically affiliated be made aware of some of the long-standing injustices in our society doesn't mean we're a terrible country we're a wonderful country that is the greatness really that is america that we are unique in this whole world because of the principles on which we were founded that every person is supposed to have equal treatment under the law and an equal opportunity and we have been the history of this country is to fight for that and and make it make those principles apply you know better and better and so it's very exciting to see young people especially get engaged and yes i know there's excesses and there's emotion and all of that but believe me you all i've been around the world a lot and i've lived in different countries and there is nothing as precious as democracy and so cherish it take your responsibility seriously and and uh, pay attention to what's going on and then then get out there and vote and there's early voting in in every state and there's vote by mail the absentee ballot so you know with this pandemic you know, be extra safe and and uh, and get an absentee ballot and make sure your vote gets in. But pay attention; we're worth it. Oh, I think that's about as uh, a good. Uh, you nailed the dismount. Well done. You 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 <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't give me the good stuff on the front end, but you nailed it on the uh, on the end. Of, I just don't understand why the toilet thing is such a big deal. Mm. Now I'm going to have to explain this on my own, and it's not going to be nearly as good. You really sandbagged me here. Well, I'm so sorry, but I'm I'm so embarrassed that I you know I didn't. Didn't understand better. Explain to people. Yeah, I get. I get. I let you give the plug. Explain to people. That's all. all right, well, I've never seen. A Do guy, it. Do it. A guy used the toilet, so I knew the lid was raised. I didn't. You know, I didn't know. I just didn't figure it out, and so I taught you incorrectly. But I corrected myself. Taught me incorrectly how? Well, audio medium. I, you know, because I, I. <laughs> I told you you had to sit on the on the the china part, you know, uh, under the lid to lift the lid. guys guys to raise raise the seat to go to the bathroom. You just thought yeah, it was so for sorry. both for both instances. I didn't. I just I didn't know how it worked. All how right? many times yeah. you have to fish me out of the toilet? I am. Oh, stop! <laughs> just a couple, and I I soon corrected. I figured that <laughs> I figured that wasn't right. God, well, I'm going to kill you for this. <laughs> I'm leaving. No, you can't. I gave you. I gave you all the time in the world to espouse all, almost all of the beliefs uh, that I felt could get us through a, a thirty-plus minute Fair podcast. My all mother, right. the War Department, Karen Rising. You can't find her on social because she doesn't want to be found. Um, and I'm sure you'll see some kind of activity that she's involved in, but you'll never know about. Thanks for doing this, Mom. Bye, honey. Okay, that is going to do it today for us here on the pod. Shouts to Teron Davenport, Rhett Bryan, Adam Vingan, Braden Gall, and my mother, Karen Rising, the War Department, for their exceptional time, talents, and insights here on our 100th episode. It means a great deal to me to have made it to 100 of anything. It means, it means a great deal for me to make it to 10 of anything. There is My life is wrought with inconsistency, but this uh, this... Felt like something worth celebrating, and I'm very proud to continue to be able to do this and very grateful to continue to be able to do this with you guys and for you guys 
on a regular basis. Shouts to you guys who rate, review, and subscribe this podcast through all 100 episodes in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Feel free to continue to leave us five stars in those ratings, wherever it is that you rate, review, and subscribe to your podcast. If you do, we will leave, uh, we will read your commentary that you leave for us in the iTunes review on the air. I have promised you this. I have not done a great job following up with this, but here, as we sit on the 100th episode, I'm new year, new me, new, uh, new century, new me. So we are going to, without further ado, before we put a bow on this podcast, we're going to get to the iTunes review mailbag because we have not gone into the depths in quite some time. You can get your comment read. doesn't necessarily have to be a question. Get your comment read anytime you leave five stars in the reviews on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network in iTunes. We will start with this because I saw the Tighten Up podcast slandering me and my good work here in this feed as they try to sabotage all manner of professionalism and decorum that we have around here. Love the feed. Awesome Sauce 692222 says, love listening to y'all. The po- to, love listening to all the podcasts on the feed, fellas. Y'all definitely keep my work week interesting. Hashtag tighten up. Hashtag go Vols. Hashtag Nashville strong. Then we get bad content from King Luis. 30. The five star was for Buck. And you guys did the predictable. Spent seven minutes reading my incoherent hate comment. Thank you for the seven minutes of fame. I enjoyed it. I love the Tighten Up pod. The guys are hilarious, says 123Chris78659. Witty, bring pop culture and sports together in hilarious fashion. Jack and Austin are a great pair, and you can tell they understand what is really going on with the team. Love these guys, and it is easy to see them taking off and having huge careers in the sports media space. All of these reviews left in the iTunes review mailbag, and one mailbag question that was submitted to me via Twitter DM. This comes from our friend V-Love on Twitter. At MaderV615 is where you can follow the boy. This is regards to Sean Henry, the Nashville Predators president and CEO. My beef with Sean Henry, V-Love writes, because we've spent a lot of time talking about the Preds, the passing fad that they seem to be within the Nashville sports market, within the Nashville entertainment sphere. And this is why... V-Love says he has beef with Sean Henry. I think he's an arrogant egomaniac with a Napoleon complex who's afraid of criticism. Never met him personally, but that's the vibe I get. Media who are critical of the Preds seem to get shunned slash shut out. The atmosphere at Bridgestone Arena has depreciated each season after 2017 as he chases, quote, New Nashville instead of resting on laurels of what the diehards have made the building. Many have been priced out. Pedal taverns on ice, changing DMX power play to some weird Dirks Bentley song, and CEO night are some of the major gaffes that they introduced last season. That's from Mater V, V Love, at Mater V615 here on the 615 Sessions podcast. If you have questions for me, you can always DM them to me, and we will address them in some form or fashion here on the pod. With Sean Henry, I've never met him personally either. All I know is about Sean Henry is my experience formerly working for 1025 The Game, which is the Preds radio network. The Preds pay to have their games broadcasted on 1025. And so they get a say in the content that is produced 
on that medium. I have experienced some of what V-Love is talking about. Again, I've never met Sean Henry personally. I know that the atmosphere has started to change as people who are diehard, actual Nashville Predators fans and not just there to be a part of something that is considered a fad, in my opinion. They have, in fact, been priced out of that building. It has become a trendy thing. And so, as many teams and many businesses do, the Preds have started to upcharge for a higher-priced, higher or higher-paying clientele and started to eliminate some of the things that make it such a raucous, rowdy atmosphere whenever it is that we have fans to be uh, to be able to attend sporting events. With the, with the egomaniac, arrogant, and Napoleon complex that's afraid of criticism, I don't know about all of that. All I know is that I remember distinctly Sean Henry calling in to a morning show when I worked at the radio station after a Preds win to on-air complain about things that were taking place, that the, co- that the commentary was not positive, positive enough after a win. And I don't think it should always be positive after a win. Like, you can diagnose a game after a win, do it in a way that is critical, that is fair, and not necessarily, you can praise them for winning, praise them for getting a win, uh, even if they didn't deserve one, and then go about breaking down the game as you see fit, if that is your job as an analyst. I know that Sean Henry called in, got on air, and complained about that on the air, and that's one of the few experiences that I have. I will also say that Sean Henry was one of the, one of the people that, after the passing of my father, even though I don't know him, DM'd me on Twitter, and you know it's, it's a personal thing. It's not like Sean Henry was doing something that was being publicized for good, But I do very much appreciate the fact that, despite not knowing each other, Sean Henry reached out to me. That that was very kind of him to do. I will say that Sean Henry is very, very good at his job. The Nashville Predators are perceived as something that they might not actually be. Be perceived as the team that went to the Stanley Cup final, that won the President's Cup the following year, and since then has just kind of been flat. And I know it's not been too long removed from all of those things, but Sean Henry's job is to sell you a bill of goods. And to this point, all I can say about the job that Sean Henry's done is that it's a really damn good one. Because no matter whether you are, and this is not Sean Henry's department, but no matter whether the Preds pressure their media core into positive coverage, which I believe to be the case, no matter whether credentials are withheld or not approved because people who have been critical of that hockey team would like to continue to cover them, and if you are not doing it to the satisfaction of the hockey team, well, then they can go about withholding credentials. Not that that's happened to me, but I've had discussions with people in media that that has happened too. All of these things are legitimate criticism. But if Sean Henry's job is to sell you something, people have been buying the Nashville Predators for much longer than maybe they actually should have. And that is this week's iTunes Review Mailbag, courtesy of V-Love, at MaterV615. Shouts to all of you like V-Love who rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and submit your questions for the end of the pod at this time. That's going to do it for us today. I'm going to remind you that I will talk to you on Thursday. We will continue all of these great content and conversations that we are having across sports here in the 615. I'm also going to remind you to stay clean, stay safe, and to stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets, and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.